We arrive here today to debate at social distances from each other. There's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Your Politics podcast from RTE News. I'm Sandra Hurley and I'm joined by Fine Gael TD Bernard Durkin and our political correspondent Michal Lahan. Bernard, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, I believe you're on a crusade at the moment, a special mission which has captured the imagination of the public. And it's all about the fact that there's been no winner of the National Lottery for 47 draws. And you're calling for an audit and for the regulator of the National Lottery to come before an Oireachtas committee. What's it all about? Well, it's one of those issues that occasionally pops up where you touch on a subject and suddenly it explodes. Uh, This uh, was brought to my attention, first of all, by constituents, uh, by family members, by my wife and by various people from time to time. But more recently, uh, as the weeks went by and the lottery wasn't won, uh, the main prize wasn't won, it came up more often. And the fact of the matter is this, you know, it's a game of chance, that's correct, and you expect, you know, win, win and lose, uh, and more losses than wins, as we see. But what has <clears throat> intrigued the public is this, that the number of occasions that the main prize has been carried forward uh, without a win, and it's very, very difficult to explain to the general public, and understandably so. They're concerned as to why it should go on for so long with so little results and so little benefit. Now, the National Lottery has a reputation. It's been very good to the many good causes all over the country since its inception. Uh, it was uh, created originally by uh, former colleague Donald Creed uh, when he was a minister, and uh, it has worked extremely well. But what's important for its success is its reputation and the extent to which uh, the public are satisfied with its operation. But Bernard, uh, the National Lottery are saying that uh, this is unprecedented. They're, they're acknowledging that it's been a really long rollover and they say the game is not designed to go on that long. But they are pointing out that even though the main fund is capped at 19 million euro, they say that the lower tier winners have been drawing more money. And really, when you look at a game of chance like this, the odds have gone from one in a million to something like one in five million by uh, the fact that more balls have been added in, in recent years. Does it matter? Well, it does matter because it's like what it says of the tin. There should be some relationship between what is indicated and what happens. And first of all, how long should it go on? Should it go on forever? Or could it go on forever? Uh, My belief is that, uh, you know, there are a number of things that could go wrong. For instance, there could be a ditch in the system. Uh, There could be a difficulty in relation to how it's operated. There could be a hack. Hacking uh, from somebody outside. Lots of uh, of organisations have been hacked in the last two years or so, and all of that uh, constitutes uh, the the confidence the public have in its operation or its its or the lack of confidence. But the, I'm not saying, for instance, and I've not suggested any stage that there's any wrongdoing at all. What is important, though, is that the uh, operation is seen to be open, transparent and reasonable. So in other words, you know, the the lottery can well say, uh, for example, you know, it could go on for another six months. Well, could it? 
And how, 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 how open and transparent is that? And would the public be reassured by that? I don't think they would. And, and I see uh, you've got cross-party support on this because you raised it in the Dáil yesterday and the Taoiseach said you've been very tenacious on this, so he's backing your campaign. Um, you've got a lot of acclaim for this. Are you surprised at how, how it's taken off uh, as I, an issue? I have never seen any issue that resonated so much with the general public uh, and, and, and of their volition. Uh, there was an immediate response and thousands of calls and messages have come into our office to such an extent that it almost came to a halt. But in any event, I think that when the public are concerned about some subject such as that, after all, the general voting public, uh, this is part of their pastime. It's a little flutter that they have of their own volition. And, you know, they like to, to think that, well, I have some chance or I have no chance. If they have no chance, well, somebody should tell them that, well, look, this is a long drawn out issue. The, the odds are very long, 10.7 million uh, um, to one against you winning uh, this particular prize. That should, that's a, that's a very long odds. And it's very difficult to maintain interest and support for what you're doing if the odds are that long. So I think it's important that we address the issue and we have, the committee has invited um, the, 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 uh, the regulator. Chief, chief executive and the regulator in be, before the, the finance committee. And I'm, I'm glad to say that the teacher has supported the move as well. And we should say the lottery that um, 30 cent out of every euro goes to good causes. So they would point out as well that even though when people are playing, even if they're not winning, you know, there's lots of charities, there's lots of local organisations that are benefiting. But I want to go back, Bernard, and look at, um, you're often called the father of the doll. You've been, uh, you were elected back in 1981. You've nearly unbroken service. Uh, I believe there's a couple of months in 1982 when you lost your seat. But right. 40 years in the doll. what has changed in that time? A lot of things have changed. Society has changed. Society, in some ways, has improved. In other ways, hasn't. Um, the operation of the house itself, the doll itself, has changed. Uh, for example, uh, things, uh, not so much in this doll, but in, in, in the dolls more, most recently, exchanges of the house were not uh, what one would regard as being in accord with the ethics insofar as the operation of the House is concerned. That hopefully is, 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 is dying out. But the society has changed and is more much more affluent society now than at that particular time. And there are much more challenges, uh, much more challenges for everybody, young people, older people. There are more challenges, such as the ones that we see, for instance, crime, etc., etc. Bernard, your only electoral loss in Dáil elections came in 82. And reading back from the McGill magazine at the time, it said, despite local predictions to the contrary, the outgoing TD with most problems was Maynooth's Bernard Durkin. What happened there? And you obviously learned a lot of lessons because you never lost another election. Oh, <clears throat> I, I readily recognise that I didn't run the election properly. Uh, there, there's only one way to run an election. You run it uh, strategically. You take into account what you have to do to get elected. You work hard uh, between elections, and I did work very hard. And it certainly wasn't due to a lack of work at the time that I lost out. Without any shadow of doubt, the st strategy that I adopted, I wasn't aggressive enough at the time. And I was too concerned about possibly you know, leaving leaving the question open to others uh, and, and for, to everybody. And in, from an electoral point of view, there's no sense in adopting that attitude. You have to go before the people uh, to get elected uh, and, and to be able to sell your, your cause to the general public and they then make, make their decision. And usually they, they do make a decision and I am happy to say that, you know, they were very good to me over the last 40 years.
to be around that alone, though, you must develop some kind of rootlessness. I think you're you're saying it in very diplomatic language there, but to, to endure for, for this long in the doll, there, there must be a rootless streak. Well, you have to also reinvent yourself. That's I've said that many times in, in our own uh, party. Like there are those who say to us, we've been too long in government and so on and so forth. Is that what the white suits are about? <clears throat> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But the point about it is that there's no such thing as being too long in office. It depends on how you operate within that office. You have to renew yourself. You have to renew your objectives. You have to reimmerse yourself in, in, in the invention uh, of the machine that you created in the beginning. And you have to ask yourself numerous questions like, how relevant am I now? Am I as good as I, were, as I was last year or in f- five years ago? That applies to all political parties and all politicians. And if you can say to yourself that, well, I haven't, I haven't been negligent, I haven't been absent, I haven't been silent, and I have been accountable insofar as everyone can, that's, those are the kind of questions we have to answer ourselves. And to do a good job and never be afraid to respond to, to sometimes well-meaning criticism, sometimes not well-meaning criticism, but we need to be able to respond to it in any event. And Bernard, uh, just after the last election, you nominated Leo Vradker for Taoiseach. Uh, obviously, it wasn't to be. He eventually became Taunish then, the coalition that we've seen. How do you think Leo Vradker has adjusted to that move from Taoiseach to Taunish then? <clears throat> I think he's done, very, uh, he's done it very well. I think it's a very difficult thing to, to, to come down a step in any uh, part, function in life, whether it be in business or in politics or whatever it is. He has done so very well. He accepted the decision of the people. And you can say, well, he had no other option. That's true. But you still have to accept it and, and operate in a way that is to the to the to, to, to the best advantage as far as the public are concerned and how the discharge of your duties in your office are concerned. I think if if you do that, he's done that very well. He 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 is also has learned of like we all have and still continue to learn. Uh, he has learned better how to respond to and field the questions as they come towards him. He has a great ability to do that, and he has managed to 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 improve and will improve as time goes on. I think that's something that uh, he has done very well so far and but, will continue. But Bernard, to. people would look back and say that 2020 wasn't a good election for Fine Gael. As a party, you were expected to do a lot better. It was disappointing, and it was Leo Vradker's first foray uh, doing a general election as leader, and he didn't bring in the seats. Well, don't forget this. I predicted back in 2008 that by the time we got to 2016, the decisions that would have to be taken by a government at 2011, from 2011 to 2016, would be such as to turn off the bulk of society, to turn the people against us. Because if we if we did the job that was we had to do, if we accepted the responsibilities that were thrust upon us, remember the country was broke, absolutely flat broke, and nobody was going anywhere. We couldn't borrow money. We had no credit rating. But, nobody was going to offer us money except at a huge but, percentage. But Bernard, some of your colleagues would say that one of the problems in 2020 was that Fine Gael was still putting forward that excuse. You know, we inherited a broken economy and clearly that wasn't translating with the electorate in 2020 in a way that it might have worked in 2016. <clears throat> That's quite true, and the people have a short memory. And I have to remind people from time to time in the course of the debates in the House, when people say, you're 10 years in government, what have you done? They forget that the first seven or eight years were spent trying to patch up the sinking ship and that all hands to the pumps at that particular time had to continue. And any distraction... I I remember the time in the the early part of of, of the... 
2011 government, that we woke up every morning wondering what was going to happen next and hoping that the IMF were to make a favourable decision towards us. And they would only do so if they were confident what we were doing. And one of the things that we had to do was to, to introduce cuts all over the place. It wasn't a nice thing to have to do to the people. I didn't like the cuts. I objected to them myself. And, but I recognised we had to do what we had to do in order to get their confidence. Bernard, I think you're the only person in the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party who's never said what way they voted in the leadership election between Simon Coveney and Leo Varadkar. Do you want to give us the exclusive, Bernard? <laughs> I haven't said it yet, so I'll wait a while longer. Are you happy with uh, how you voted? Eh? Oh, absolutely. I'm always, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm always happy and I, I, I try to be happy with all, any decisions I've taken because uh, one has to think about it beforehand. This applies to the general public as well, of course. Or think about it beforehand, uh, assume an outcome and, and assume whatever the consequences are. And if you look into that carefully and examine it, you will generally do the right thing. It's funny, though, Leo Varadkar is on course to become the next Taoiseach, but there are people within Fine Gael for the first time in a long time mentioning all kinds of names about a successor, even though there's no immediate prospect of a contest or anything like that. <coughs> names are being floated about. What's that about? A man of your wisdom and experience within the party now should know. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm not so sure about the names that have been floated about, but nobody's approached me yet. I want to tell you that now. Uh, it's it, to, to be fair to everybody. But uh, on a serious note, I think that those kind of things always happen. Uh, they happen about all politicians. Every politician in, has a cycle, is it? Absolutely, in, 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 in all parties. But the one thing that's what I, what I referred to in the beginning, that we should always remember, we have to renew ourselves Every year, at least every year, we have to look at the objectives ahead of us. We have to look, have a new vision. We have to identify that vision and develop it. And that's what keeps politics working. Because people will refer to, you know, refer disparagingly uh, about to politicians. And, you know, that's entirely unfair because they all try, of all, all political heroes, they try hard. Sometimes that's not enough. And the electorate decide that. But we should remember this that they all do their best. And if they don't do their best, the electorate will find them out. So I believe that that, that uh, Leo is doing a, a, a good job in what were very difficult circumstances in, uh, in that we came from a situation of having to, as it were, punish the people. Against, that's against everything Bernard, I stand for. Bernard, uh, I've got a last question for you here. I, I hear that you have flown planes in the past. You've ridden motorbikes. Uh, I think you've said that in the doll. Um, you're also 76, and uh, I know you're going to accuse me of being ageist, but are you going to run in the next election, or what are your thoughts at the moment? That, that's the intention. Great. <laughs> so, good good, good well, to have the... the, the what, what election will that be for you? So uh, well, have you counted them? I don't know. It's 13 or 14 or something, well, something like that. But the thing about it is this, that as long as one... Uh, is able to do the job and do it effectively and uh, not to make excuses for not doing the job. Uh, I think one should give to society what one can, while one can, and and to, uh, you know, then stand stand before the people as, as and when uh, the occasion occurs. And all I say in, in relation to the, the past performances, I've done my best, haven't achieved everything that I wanted to achieve. I think nobody does. There are always things that one could uh, do better and maybe more often. But the point about it is this, that we do what we can, while we can, and hope that somebody will say, well, look, uh, we'll, 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 we'll give you another chance. I would have the case. Okay. And who will be the Fine Gael leader going into that election, Bernard? 
I, I, I don't think I'm going to be the <laughs> leader going into that. Will it be election. the current? Will it be the current leader? Definitely, do you think? Oh, I would say so. I would, I would say so, and I would hope that you know. One, I always advise my colleagues uh, within the party, insofar as I can, and as far as they list, of course, and I try to advise them as to to what to to wait for, what to look out for, what to avoid, and how to respond. Insofar as I can see it, uh, I might be always right, but if um, if I do. Uh, um, uh, find that I'm right uh, at the end of the day. Well, then I think we'll, we'll, our chances will improve. Remember, remember this. I'm not sure what that means. Really. <laughs> well, I think if you're that, right, the party's oh, chances will improve. No, I, I think Do you look that, into your heart. Well, there are those who say I don't have uh, heart, but however, one tries one's best at all times. But I, I would have, have to say this: that um, if if we if we follow. The, the, the broad guidelines, the parameters within which we have to operate uh, in terms of of, of, of of honesty and integrity. I think that's very important in public life. And to do the best we can to keep those ideals to the fore, I think that uh, when the time comes, notwithstanding the fact that uh, Fine Gael has been in government, and, 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 and at the same time, uh, try, telling the public the story as it is. There's no sense avoiding that. When somebody comes along to you and says, look, uh, um, um, you have the country ruined, uh, you spent 10 years in government, and what did you do? Well, that depends on the job you got to do. Uh, Ramsay MacDonald once said that uh, he was being criticised for not delivering and uh, on, on, the, on the basis that he was in, in, in government. And he said, yes, uh, in government, but not in power. Not able to do the things that you wanted to do at the time they wanted to do them because of other competing factors. Mm -hmm. And I think those competing factors are the issues that we need to recognise. And somebody, when historians sit down to write about this, they will write about the rescue of the country when it was crashing on the rocks. And then I'm, also write about Bernard, the, the feet of fallen Fine Gael sharing power for the first time. When you were a young lad growing up in Mayo, did you have any inkling that you'd be part of a government where that coalition would be formed? Well, yeah, well, I, I, I didn't. I was one of the people who was reluctant uh, to enter into such a coalition for a variety of reasons. Do you not like them? No, I I, 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 I don't dislike anybody. Uh, but the raison d'etre in, in politics is, you know, you, you're pointed in, in a particular direction. You deliver or don't deliver, as the case may be. You compete for the, for, for the ground and space ahead of you with whoever your opposition may be. And, of course, there are a lot of exchanges over the years. I certainly never hated anybody in public life of any party. And I, I don't think it would be a good thing to do. And I would, I would extol uh, all incoming uh, politicians of all hues to try never to become personal, never to accuse people in the wrong, never to paint the picture that whoever is your opponent is necessarily your enemy. And and I think that's, that still remains a, a good, a good uh, line to follow. Okay, Bernard. Well, listen, thank you very much for joining us. So, Michal, we're still talking about COVID. We're still talking about testing capacity, antigen tests and possible restrictions. And Piers Doherty claimed in the Dáil today that Garth Brooks tickets were easier to get than the PCR test. Uh, what do you make of it all? Yeah, it's the ultimate line, isn't it? It's the line of the day. But the Tánaiste insisting that no system could deal with the kind of demands that's being placed on it at the moment and kind of giving a hint perhaps at the criteria for getting that test. Maybe that could change. He said that's happened in the past. Doesn't seem like that's been discussed yet. Would it be GP only referral for a test or, or anything or something like that? That perhaps a possibility 
in the days ahead, but certainly not being discussed at the moment. But you can see that is the pressure point for government. They're talking about booster vaccines, but but in the short term, it's that capacity around PCR testing and all the while uh, the message coming from government that it's not really about a lockdown, but if things don't continue to improve and they might be improving very slightly, well, then some type of restrictions in the lead into Christmas is a possibility. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other big development today, of course, is that the European Medicines Agency has given approval for the Pfizer vaccine for primary school uh, aged children between five and 11. And that's really where the highest incidence is right now. We've seen, seen schools under huge pressure. Uh, what's going to happen next there? Yeah, so already it seems like provisional work around stockpiling vaccines or having a look in that direction, that's underway. But the Taoiseach speaking earlier in the week said when it comes to actually administering those vaccines, the expectation within government is that that is something that would happen after Christmas. It does seem like a lot of people are going to have to get the booster vaccines before the the children's vaccination programme starts. The authorities are kind of optimistic that uh, this could get approval from NIAC very quickly. But of course, government have been optimistic on those points several times before. And that process itself takes a little longer than expected sometimes. And some frustration, as we know, in government mm. about how long it yeah. has taken NIAC uh, along the, the road. I suppose the big concern for people is about any curtailments or any sort of restrictions over the December period. We're certainly getting the signal that nobody is contemplating a lockdown or any serious shutdown of any particular sector. But with the cases where they are and the pressure on hospitals, we're also being told they're not ruling anything out. No, I mean, could there be a focus on large events? Could there be a focus on visiting people who don't, uh, families mixing, but if there's someone in that family who don't have the booster vaccine and are of a certain age, does that present a risk? Is it in that kind of area that government might look? Would they look at large events? The last big large sports event goes through this weekend in the FAI Cup final. After that, the decks are pretty clear, but of course... There are things like music events and the like. Could there be some uh, restrictions looked at in that area? That seems to be the kind of territory. But there is this still this hope that if things continue to go in the direction they're going, that perhaps there won't be necessary. Masks then in primary schools looks like an item that, that is under serious discussion at this point. And the hospitality sector has been continuing to press home its point that they are suffering because of cancellations that have been essentially encouraged by NEFIT and by government. But several ministers out this week really holding a strong line on that and saying, you know, they are not reversing these pl- the planned cuts to the wage subsidy scheme next week. They're not reopening the PUP. They've got through three or two cuts on the PUP so far. They want to transition it back down to the job seekers payment. Do you think they're going to re- remain under pressure on that? Yeah, I think they are. There's a definitely a difference in tone between the Fianna Fáil side of the House and the Fine Gael side of the House, judging by what Leo Varadkar was adamant on that point about the wage subsidy scheme and the reduction going ahead as planned in December from the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party meeting last night, an emphasis on that there would be meetings taking place between the hospitality sector with the Taoiseach and the Minister for Public Expenditure, Michael McGrath. So the tone seems different there. I think there is an awareness now as the days have you know, gone along this week that you are seeing bars that are empty, that you are seeing restaurants that are empty and some vendors saying that they are being shut by stealth. And then, uh, Michal, last question. The Green Party conference is on this weekend. It's a time for their members to come together and take stock of uh, the party's time in government. What do you think the mood's going to be like? Well, I suppose the... the Big thing for the Green parties, they, they can point to the climate bill, they can point to the climate action programme. And then within the individual ministries, there has been certain challenges. Rodrigo Gorman has faced challenges around the mother and child care scheme. Catherine Martin has had challenges aplenty on an ongoing kind of uh, way. So 
there have been pressures. They will point to the big environmental legislation. There has been cohesion within government around that generally. But I thought in the Shannon this week, uh, a turf war, if you want to call it that, you saw Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, particularly Regina Doherty, placing down a bill which was around peat extraction uh, and the use of that peat uh, when it comes to the horticultural sector. There's a pressure there at the moment in trying to get that produced at home and they're having to import Regina Doherty pushing for a bill that would allow for a large-scale extraction and Pauline O'Reilly, the Green Party senator, adamant that that wouldn't be consistent with uh, European law, but going further, saying that, as she sees it, Dara O'Brien and Peter Burke are turning a blind eye to peat extraction that's taking place on a fairly grand scale at the moment. Fairly strong charge from a prominent senator. And the first sign, the first sign of any kind of divide when it comes to those big environmental questions in government, albeit taking place in that more rarefied chamber up in the Shannon. I'm glad you've been keeping an eye on the Shannon for us, uh, Michal. Uh, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Your Politics podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Goodbye until next week. Mm-hmm.